0: Get ready for an eye-opening journey into the world of parenting emotionally intense children. In this episode of the Water Prairie Chronicles, I'm speaking with Anouk Brière gudbu an expert in supporting parents dealing with the challenges of emotionally intense kids. Whether you're a parent seeking guidance or just curious about this topic, stay tuned for a conversation that will transform your perspective on the power of emotions in children. Anouk, welcome to Water Prairie.
1: Thank you for having me Dania.
0: This season we've been playing a game called two truths and a lie and each of my guests I've been asking them to bring in three facts and Anouk mm-hmm. has agreed to play the game with us today. So um, so listeners you're going to listen to her three facts and try to decide which one is not true. And in the if you're watching on YouTube you can write in the comments or if you're listening to the podcast you can go to our Twitter feed or our Instagram feed and answer on the picture that that you find there and a week after we release this we'll come back and and give you the right answer but um but anuk what are your three facts that that you brought to share with us
1: yes so um um the first one is that i um started my first business at 15 years old um second one is that i worked nonstop for 20 hours no No bathroom break, no anything, not even a glass of water. And the third one is that I drove for five hours with a sprinting call before um, cruise control was a thing. (laughs) Wow, wow. All
0: right, so listeners, you know what to do. Listen to the podcast first and then go in and leave your answer. You might get a little tip in here. You never know. Some, sometimes my guests give some some clues as they're answering our other questions. <laughs> Welcome to the Water Prairie Chronicles, a podcast created to encourage and support parents of special needs children. I'm Tonya Wallum, and I'm glad you're here. So today we're going to be talking about a topic we haven't talked about before, and it is Parenting Emotionally Intense Kids and um, and so a lot of our listeners may have a child that has a diagnosis that this kind of makes sense why they seem to be a little bit tightly wound and then others may just have a child that just is um, pretty intense in their personality so um, so listeners whether you are a parent of a child with a disability you may relate to what we're talking about today um, or know someone who who would benefit from this so um, so if you're listening to it and you know someone else please please share this with them but um, but to kind of get us connected and to know what we're really talking about, Anu, can you describe what an emotionally intense child might
1: look like? Um, I would say there's many profile that they can have. In general, they will react more intensely than the normal kid will be. And I'm using a quote for your listeners um, because normal is not a word that I'm really thinking exists but <laughs> um, I would say like yeah it's kids that will be more reactive in some ways um, I think we see mainly two profile one that is probably the child that you're gonna get phone call from daycare of school like every day because something went on at school and it's a child that is like that everywhere and the other profile that is less um, obvious maybe sometimes the one that is gonna never you're never gonna get a call from school you might not even they might not even know who your kid is in some like some settings um but at home you're getting that intensity much more um so it looks sometimes like crying it can looks like just meltdown it can looks like reacting very intensely to things that looks like nothing for for us as parents Um, and if you have the profile that is like nobody else outside of your house sees it's hard because nobody understands they think you have the perfect child but (laughs) at home it's another child and it can be very challenging because you feel it's your fault um and the, the child that is at home at school very challenging then you're often blamed by school or daycare or people outside because you're not doing your job as parents air quotes again, Um, like that's how people make you feel. And that's how we might feel too as parents of emotionally intense kids. Like everything is just more, you know? (laughs) So I,
0: I know, so you've, you've described at least one of my children already, even though my kids are older, (laughs) but like, I I can remember having um, like at home, with my son when he was young, especially feeling like we were always just going, going, going with, you know, just strong reactions to everything. And it wasn't always bad. It was just strong. We used to say that he, that he wore his emotions on, on his sleeve because you, you knew, wow. n- no one doubted how he felt at the time. <laughs> but then the teachers would tell me that, you know, no, he's always su- su- such a gentleman. He's always respectful. And it's, um and so I had a, a a counselor at the school once told me that it actually was a good sign that yeah. he showed those emotions to us, but could control them outside the home because it meant that he felt safe, that he felt that yes. that was a safe place for him so that he could. And, and there were times that I wondered, do I really want to make it that safe anymore? Because <laughs> <laughs> cause parents, it gets hard whenever yes. you ever happen to battle with that.
1: <laughs> Definitely. And that's, that's very true. I think it's something that's very important to address is that they sometimes the school can say that we don't have that problem. So it's your problem. Right. And right. yeah, maybe, maybe. But the fact is that if that kids explode at home, it's because something is not going well, most probably at school or daycare. Right. So it, it's not your just your problem at home. But most of the time, since they don't have to deal with it, they won't help, um, which is challenging. When, when you, they have to deal with it, they want to collaborate with you more. Uh, so yeah, I, I've had, I have like three kids, and I have two that fits one category, and one that fits the other category. So <laughs> I've experienced it all. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: well, you know, and I know before I had kids, and this is confession time here. Um, I would I would judge other parents, sure. you know, because you know you'd be I, I, and I always think more like at at, at the grocery store or at the out shopping. At the checkout, because it seems like that's always when you know they've they've been entertained when they were in the store, and then they have to wait for mom to check out now. And you'd have that
1: all the candies and yeah, (laughs) everything there, there. right? (laughs) Like candies, toys, everything. (laughs) Yes.
0: (laughs) But they would, you know, then you'd see the child that's like laying on the floor and they're screaming, and And of course, you know, my uneducated mind was, you know, well, it's that the parent must be doing something wrong. Yeah. And so you're right. I mean I, I fully admit that I used to do that. And it's yes, um so too. now whenever I see the same situation it's like, you know, Mom, can can I do anything to help you? <laughs> you know, because I'm on the other side of it, so I, yeah. I understand. <laughs>
1: and sometimes just like a look of I get what you're going through. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> a look of blame makes a huge difference. <laughs> it does. <laughs> you you aren't alone. <laughs> it's Yes, I get you. Like it's okay. Right. It's, um,
0: <laughs> so, one of the things you, you mentioned, um, the candy and all that. So, one of the things that we did with our kids that seemed to work with both of them, when, especially when they were little, when they were older, they're easier to understand like logic. So, you can kind of help mm-hmm. them talk through some of those feelings. But, um, but when they were little and they just didn't understand anything, we would go whatever store we went into. We would go and we would find a friend at the store, and the friend might be a book, it might be a stuffed animal, it might be a ball. It'd be something that they could hold on to that lived at the store, and they got to spend their shopping time with that thing, <laughs> that they had That's to say good goodbye idea. because because it lived at the store. <laughs> and for some idea. reason, with the, both the kids, it actually worked, and they would they would go back and look for that stuffed animal, whatever it was and um and thankfully it was always there it wasn't something that was ever sold <laughs> so <laughs>
1: No, that, that might have created another problem. <laughs> I, I have. also love, like, I used, now I use my phone, but when my older ones were little, it, I didn't add a phone that took pictures. Um, but I would always say, we're going to put that on your Christmas list or on your birthday oh, yeah. present yes. list. So we, yep. we are not like, we're not never going to get it. We will get it. At, right. At, at, <laughs> <company>. Of course, <laughs> we're never going to get everything you ask for, because on one trip, you might ask for like 15 things. And, and you're that's not going to remember what they time. were anyway. no. <laughs> Uh, my my phone now is full of those photos though. She could oh, remember right. <laughs> because of that I should delete them. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's another trick that sometimes happens stores. But it that happens like everywhere and it I will happen at home. And to the point you were saying like kids will do this more to us. Um I have one of my kids who um was doing it on purpose. Like she needed to mm. cry to let their emotions out at the end of the day when she started school and she, she needed to cry, but she was not able to, like she was not able to let mm. it go. And so she would do things on purpose, knowing that I would be mad. So when I would get mad, she oh. would be able to cry, you know? Yeah. And that was like, it was so obvious because she was doing things that she would never do otherwise. Like it was really that the point was that she would cry. She, I would make her cry. That was, I was like, I'm not going (laughs) to, but you need to, how can we do that? So it it can be very interesting to see that they, they need that release. It's a release of something or it's an overwhelm. It's not like it. And I would say that's the particularity of emotionally intense kids is that they don't do it on purpose. And that's the thing that we need to remember as parents. They don't do that because they're bad kids. They do that because they cannot control it. And, and like, giving consequences is just going to increase the reaction because they don't control what's going on. And so it's often an overload of emotion, an overload of stimuli. Um, Like lots of those kids might get at some point a diagnosis of neurodivergence, being neurodivergent. It can be kids with anxiety, with different mental health issues, um, trauma. Like it, it can be a lot of things Right. um i of course hypersensitive kids will be like that um kids who have um um speech delay because they cannot express themselves at the level yep. of their cognitive functions, so it's very frustrating, so there's lots of reasons why a child might have emotional uh intensity in their life um and and thus sometimes we just don't know. And sometimes there's many reasons. Like it's not one reason. There can be many things, which is, makes it very hard for the parent to to find what's the cause. <laughs> right.
0: Well, I'm thinking through. You know, when you know we we always talk 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 about kids going through their terrible twos. You know, and and a lot of that's happening with, as you said, with the language. Yeah. They mentally they know what they want now, but they don't have the tools yet to communicate, and so mm-hmm. so they get frustrated. Um, But then, so now you have a five-year-old who may be facing a similar challenge with, they may have the words, but they may not understand how to communicate that feeling yet of what they have. And now they're tired. They've been overstimulated that, you know, so you're right. There's so many different things that that could be there that, you know, just thinking through where the triggers are. And I want to clarify too that um, when we're talking about emotionally intense kids, we're not talking about one child having a tantrum one day and then the rest of the time they're just kind of relaxed and all but i think no. some of what we're going to talk about here might could be applied in that situation for the yes, parent to be able to of course. to 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 learn from it but um but have empathy for everyone else whenever that happens to you <laughs> so, so that, you know this is one day and not day after day after day no. but um no, but yeah but it's in
1: general it's everyday many times a day it can yeah. skip like skip some days um but most of the time it, there will be some of it every day more, probably more than once a day every kids yeah. will have a tantrum once in a while that's just being kids, yeah, I, and even I, like adults, adults have a t- <laughs> yeah right, right. <laughs> we just do them human. different ways but <laughs> exactly <clears throat> but sometimes
0: it's kind of look the same so <laughs> yeah. yeah so we so we have these kids and you know we have the feelings of people maybe passing judgment on us or, you know, not understanding. So we may not always have that support that's out there. What strategies can we use to help them as they're trying to figure out what their feelings are so that they can be healthy?
1: Um, I would say there's two things and we might address one after the other, but um, in general, it's uh, regulation. So it's really is emotional regulation. As I was saying, it's not kids that do anything on purpose. They are losing it. Like they don't control what's happening for whatever reason and so it's helping find and i really call that detective work because it can be very hard to find it's finding the triggers the situation when it happens and sometimes like often there's one more than one thing so it looks completely random like parents will say i don't know why what, what it is because it it's all the time and when you really start to look closely it's not all the time it's not all the, not all the situation it's specific moments specific triggers but it it can appear like it's all the time or that there's randomness in it because sometimes often there's more than one thing like a a child might be hungry and there might be too much noise or they might have a like a fight with kid with a friend in school and you're not even aware that there was a fight in school and then they will just blow because you said no to a candy bar. But the (laughs) cause is not the candy bar. The cause is everything else going on. And the candy bar is just like that little drop of oil on the fire, you know. So (laughs) it just explodes. But the candy bar is not even relevant. So trying to negotiate with the kids about the candy bar, it's losing our time. Because the candy bar is not the real reason why the kid, like I was saying with my daughter, she was trying to make me mad so she would cry like it, it's not often it's not that on purpose it's really really that on purpose but that's what they're doing like they're just need the support and they're exploding because they need the support they need us to help them regulate so it's both detective work in what's triggering and what helps that kid calm down because not every child will be calm by the same things we were talking a bit before we we went on like on the air about some kids need to be held and some needs to be left alone um sometimes it can be a weighted blanket it can be water uh it can be like it there's so many can be music and phones it can be a calm dark room or or or, like it, it for different kids it's different um different things that will help them count down. So it's finding both the cause and triggers, not necessarily a real cause because yes, the cause might help if you know, for example, that you have a kid with autism, like kids in the neuro, neurodivergent kids are classic, uh, really emotional kids. If you know that it might help you in your detective work to find tr- the triggers, but you don't need the diagnosis to find the triggers. You just need to right. like, look at your kids and be very mindful and observant of that kid and what's happening in their life and yes you might not find them all because some might happen with somebody else and you just don't know but the more you can find the more you're aware of them the more you will it will help but in the moment giving consequences will just make things worse so just really helping them to calm down and finding ways to help them regulate and not argue with them. Like, it's pointless. (laughs) You're gonna lose your time. It's just gonna make, like, it's gonna escalate. And that brings me to the other things that is very important, is staying calm, which, like, Mm -hmm. is not not that easy. Like, it's, we we hear that all the time. You you don't yell at your kids and you stay calm. And, like, that's just bad advice because it's very hard to do. Like, you cannot just say to someone, stay calm. No, yeah. no, <laughs> just no. <laughs> but that's the fact. You, we need to stay calm because when they are super intense like that, it's triggering for us. It's like yeah. we it, it 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 even often trigger our fight or flight instinct because the noise can be very loud because they can be somewhat aggressive sometimes really aggressive and so it's it's hard to deal with so we need to be super super in control ourselves and that's very hard especially when we are tired or when we are hungry when right. we, <laughs> we right. are overwhelmed so that's the other part is we need to and that's like the more dull answer of all do self-care but lots of self-regulating self-care to be able to stay calm in those moments
0: they're um so you're talking about the self-care like so you know i'm thinking some of our parents have more than one child you have three children Mm -hmm. so you're you you were right because i'm I'm picturing that fight or flight you're going to escalate to that right away because now you're trying to protect another child who may be in the room or witnessing that um so how can parents like care for themselves like how how can they make sure that their own emotional well-being is strong so that they're not adding to the the storm that's happening
1: there yeah and like yeah that's totally like having even one kid is hard to do self-care when you have a kid with special needs it's extra hard to do self-care when we have more than one kid with special needs I'm not even going to say, like, it, it's almost impossible, but it's still essential. <laughs> um, and so I think that what I like to say is that we need to reframe what self-care means. Self-care is not um, a weekend at the spa. Like, no. that's not happening. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I have one plan with a friend at the end of the month. It's the first time in 15 years of motherhood. Wow. We'll see if it really happens. Wow. i don't know what it is either i never went so yeah (laughs) so yeah i mean that's not self-care when you have kids when you have multiple kids and when you have kids with special needs right it's just not gonna happen and so and even seriously like even if you went once a month it's not gonna be enough like it's not gonna no like it it needs to be a constant thing and that's like self-care that is self-regulating is probably the thing i would go first so like yoga, meditation, breath work. And even okay. if breath work for you means taking one deep breath once an hour, like that's better than nothing. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. When, when your hour, put, put an alarm clock on your, your phone and every hour it's gonna ring and you take a deep breath. Like even just that, <laughs> it's self-care, okay? <laughs> okay, okay, so, so it doesn't have
0: to be complicated. It could be, no. it could be simple.
1: Yeah, and it's just like, maybe you can drink like one warm sip of coffee and enjoying it like this is self-care when you have kids how many i don't know i mean like it's it's a joke in my house that if i looking for my tea it's probably in the uh, the, uh, the microwave right. because i'm reading <laughs> my tea so many times my kids like yep. when i'm looking for my tea, my kids are like are oh, you looking in the microwave like it's it's <laughs> yeah so it, it can be just that just like one sip and if you can take your entire cup work (laughs) without creating it. Like that's the summum of self-care. I don't
0: think that's possible. I mean, even even at my level right now,
1: I've never done that. (laughs) I don't think I do, but unless I'm working, but (laughs) I, I mean those things like just, it's like appreciating what we are already doing just a tiny bit more and it's a practice, but just a tiny bit, like just the deep breath. It just, okay, I'm here now in that moment doing what I'm doing. This is self care, even if it's just well, one second, okay. or three seconds, and you 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 practice it, and it gets like it, you can get up to 10 seconds at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do that, I don't know how many hours you're up during 24, 18. Yeah, probably. That's true. Um, <clears throat> if you do that, like 18 times during your day, it's 18 times five seconds of self care you've done in your day, it's better than none you know?
0: <laughs> right. Right. Well, I like that because a lot of times whenever I ask that question of people, I'm given like a, a, a more difficult process to follow. Mm-hmm. This, this is a start. And then maybe that, that one breath can become two. Yeah. As you're going. Yeah. And <clears throat> oh, maybe
1: you can like do, you can start yoga by doing one sun salutation that takes about Fifteen seconds and build up to three minutes or five minutes, and it's better right. than none, you know. So it's just like just just a little bit. It, just doing that is better than nothing, and it builds up on itself. At some point, it gets easier. And the other part is doing it with our kids. Like I love. I was going to ask about that yeah dance kitchen party like that's my favorite go-to for healthcare with kids like i if i need an outlet and i need to like switch the energy i'm gonna put music and do a dance kitchen party like (laughs) nobody's watching because nobody's watching and it's my kids even my teens they're used to me dancing and eat like right (laughs) um and so, yeah, like that can be, and for me, uh, photography was one, like I do photography, but documentary style. So I will follow my kids and take pictures and be interested in what they're doing while I take pictures. The pictures are my hobby, but I take care of them at the same time. And I'm interested in what they're doing. Right. So like, it's finding things that we can do with them that doesn't take us away from Yes. But for example, photography, sometimes I'm going to do the dishes. They're going to do something fun. I'm going to grab my camera, take two pictures. It took me away from dishes for like a minute and I'm going to go back. But also they got one more minute of attention. I would not have gotten that, you know, so it's a win-win. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like, I like that.
0: So are there, um, like as we're, as we're trying to connect emotionally with our kids, because I think that's, that's a big piece of it as far as understanding what their emotion is or being able to, um, convey what our emotions are without yelling at them how can parents strike a balance between providing structure and routine but also allow room for their child's expression
1: emotionally that's a hard one um i would say really depends some kids really need routine so that it will be part of their triggers if there's not enough routine so mm, if that's yeah. what you're unveiling when you look at your, your, your kids and observing your kids, I would say that it's very important to try and put routines in place. And if you as a parent yourself is not a routine person, like lots of ADHD here, for example, um, it might be a struggle and that might be difficult for some parents to put routines in place. Um, and then at that, at that at those point, I would say there's like, you can have basic routines. You don't have to go, like, sometimes we, like, routines need to be this, 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 and this at specific hours, and some kids really need that, like, really need that, and they crave that, and the more unstructured and and disorganized they are, the more routine they would need. Um, Other kids, it's the opposite, like, again, if you have an ADHD or as a kid, they might not need a routine, they might get bored very fast with a routine. And then it's the opposite. They they need change, things to change up. And in the parenting world, routine is like that, that big thing that we absolutely need to put in place and that it's good for everyone. And honestly, like, I don't think any advice is good for everyone. Not every parents, not every kid. Like, it's just not a thing. There is no, um, there's no parenting advice that is good for every kind of family and i really think it's tailoring those routine to the need of your family and the reality of your family like for example i'm a family who like my husband's always worked changing schedule so some days is there for the dinner time some days he's not and oh, right. we only know that a few days ahead so we need to change our routine every single day and sometimes i'm busy and sometimes he's busy like we don't have parents that work 9 to 5 and are always there at the same times and and quite frankly that's not the reality of lots of families like think about yeah. all the nurses doctors everybody who works in the in the like oh, right. um, military and healthcare system and lots of like a grocery store and like there's lots of people who don't have that 9 to 5 classical schedule and give, keeping a consistent schedule might not be realistic for lots of families much more than we are advertised yeah. like the typical family for me doesn't exist either and the typical schedule so it's finding a way to keep a routine somewhat in your life to the extent that your kids needs it because yes some kids really crave the routine and then you'll have as a parent to do the extra effort if it's not natural so that the kids can be regulated because it might be dysregulating for them but if your kids don't want a routine then it can just be, before going to bed, we need to brush teeth, take a bath, and go to bed, actually, or read a book. But the kid (laughs) can choose what order they want it in, because they need variety to keep things interesting. And so the routine is just, we do those things, but not necessarily in the same order. As another kid, they would need to have bath time at Seven thirty and book at seven forty-five for forty-five, and because they need that, so it it all all depends on the kids. So the balance, I would say, depends on each family. There's no one right balance. I don't know if that answers your question. It
0: it does. It's you know, it's something that as a family we've always struggled with because I'm not a routine person. It's um I have 20 projects going on at any given time I'm you know and there's it's it's why I love podcasting because there's enough projects just within this one <laughs> that I yes, can bounce from one to the other <laughs> I agree. but so so it kind of so that's kind of how I was and um raising my kids you know we didn't have dinner at the same time every night we but but I I, I like how you said that you know even just having the structure of knowing that they're going to have a bath. <laughs> They're going to have their teeth brushed. <laughs> they did have dinner at some point. Yes. See, I always, I've always, i always felt guilty that I didn't have any type of structure. And I think both of them needed more structure than I could give them. But that, that's very freeing just to hear that, to know that there was some type of structure because there was expectation that all these things mm-hmm. would be done. And they, and they were done mm-hmm. uh, pretty much every night. <laughs>
1: yeah. And sometimes you know, we skip the bath and sometimes we skip the right. brushing. The teeth are not going to fall because you skip a night.
0: Right, right. I just
1: want you to try that Do you think that, but it's not true.
0: <laughs> when when they were little we did have they would always climb climb into our bed and we would read together and we would do devotions together. So that that was always the last thing before they went to bed. So mm-hmm. so there was some type of routine. It just wasn't like every day at six o'clock this is what we're doing. So and, and I always felt like I was family, doing it wrong.
1: Yeah, and for your family, like just the the, the, the that can be the routine. There's something right. before bed that is predictable. That's a routine. Yeah. Like we're told it should be all those like 15 steps, but not necessarily. That's the routine. It, but some, sometimes the routine makes just the fighting less. Some kids need more expectation, more clear. So they fight less.
0: The other thing that I was thinking of when you were answering that one was um, we're talking about watching your child, knowing your child. Would you recommend that a parent keep some keep like a journal of what they're starting to see and to look for those patterns that way?
1: yeah i i would say this i did it mostly with photos so i i'm guessing i i would say it depends on everyone like what you prefer um i was not a big journaler i am now i do journal much more but i was not that much i started really i started noting things down a little bit but it became easier for me when i started make like doing photography i was always taking pictures but when i started doing it like every day it became much easier for me to um, document those things and observe new things. Um, but I would say it depends on every parent. That is really a parent thing. Like if you prefer pictures, go with pictures. If you prefer videos, go with video videos. If you prefer noting things down, go. But I would definitely recommend capturing it in some ways because our right. brains forget like so oh, easily. Yeah.
0: Well, because we end up having two or three days of peace and no, no outburst and then we think you know well you know this this, this is fine and then it shows up again <laughs> cuz it's probably going yeah. to but then we forget what the pattern was before and yes um because yes. so the other thing i was thinking a too pattern
1: yeah. if you don't note things down
0: and i was thinking too that even if your child isn't diagnosed with a reason for being on an iep at school um i don't is is it the same in canada as in the us we have the the individualized education plan what what would you have in canada
1: no we don't it's not that clear um some kids will have like a quotation like a number associated with them if they have special needs and then that will come with some type of support um but it's not all kids that has special need Would that would they like for to have those like quotes like the, those number associated it needs to be um, very specific criteria, so some kids okay. will need need some support, but they don't like get that. Um, it's not as clear. I would say I'm not super familiar with the IEP. I keep hearing about it, but I'm not really sure what it is. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say it's kind of difficult to like compare because it really like different. And here we have like special education class that are like kids will be regrouped based on their needs. Um, but that would be for really high needs. Um, like I, we, we'll never see, for example, an ADHD kid with that. We will see autistic kids, but only if they have like, uh, developmental delays in general, like so level two, three autism, maybe never level one. Some schools are starting to have some classroom for level one autism, but it's really rare. Um, and so in general, those kids should receive services in their classrooms, but it will be um, very, I, I worked a lot with kid, with parents of kids with special needs, like different special needs, and when they were hesitant between like regular regular classroom and specialized classroom, because their kids would um, cal- qualify for specialized classroom, but the parents still ask their like, it's the parents ultimately that who decides. I would always recommend that they go to the special as one well just before because there's not enough service. And so the the ones that okay. go in regular classroom that should get the service, they don't in general. I okay. would also say this is specific to my province. It's really different. Like the school system is not the same here than it is in different province in Canada. So oh, it really? really is. Yeah. And I'm not like Quebec is very specific in their school system compared to the rest of Canada, and I'm not familiar with the rest of Canada's school system okay. that much.
0: Yeah, because I've never asked that question to to know, and I've, I've had several guests on who, who live in Canada. I just, we just haven't addressed that yet. Well, so, so what I was getting at is, even if your child isn't on an education plan, um, you still, you know your child, and so if they're in public school, by keeping this journal or some type of documentation to figure out what that is, Mm -hmm. i would i would suggest having a conversation with your child's teacher to help them understand maybe what some of the triggers are because then they could maybe help them you know Mm -hmm. recognize before like if they know something's going to happen in the way that class is transitioning and that it's Mm going to be more difficult for your child then they would be more likely to maybe go over and 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 stand near them during that time or or have a buddy assigned to them so that they or, or maybe have them go in early or come in late if that, if that yes. would make it easier for them. Um, and so if you know what those things are, I mean, I, I don't know many teachers who wouldn't work with you if you're trying to help make it a more peaceful mm-hmm. situation for the teacher as yeah. well as for your child.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and, but the thing is that sometimes the triggers are different in school and at, at home. Right. Um, right. so might help, might not. And often the trick that works at home to help the kids, kids calm down, don't work at school because, it's not one-on-one like the possibility to be one-on-one is not the same but it can still help to to share if the teacher is open I sadly had experiences where the teacher is not that open to the parents feedback and in high school like I receive because we have like intervention plan that we we call them the kids can have that um and I received one this year for my one of my child and I was not consulted at all Like nobody talked to me before they did that. They just talked to my daughter. So I was like, okay, might have been useful if I could have said something. Um, Right. But that's high school. It's different than elementary school. I I would have been, I would have talked to the teacher at least. Um, Not necessarily, normally the, the parents are supposed to be there when they do those plans. It doesn't always happen.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, so there there are some differences between between the school systems in our countries too, uh, which is yeah, part of this too. Because the because um, we do cause in the U.S. we have the 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 IDEA policy, and we also have the Americans with Disabilities Act um, mm-hmm. that that protects some. And so and those were huge changes that that happened. But there's still I mean even after thirty some years, it still needs to be improved. It's just yes. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Which is why world. we have these conversations and why why we're trying to, to help give our parents as many tools as we can. Yeah, and, and but, let's um, be honest,
1: like school teachers are not trained to support like it, kids that have special needs. It's not their fault. They just don't have the training. And they often you yeah. have many kids with different needs in their class. And right. they don't even necessarily have diagnosis. They don't really know what's going on. And they don't have enough support from specialists to help them. So it's really not... I always like run it, like most of the time it's not on the teacher, it's on the system, right. the problem. Yeah. Like it really is, the, like even the teacher who don't want to cooperate in general, it's because they're overwhelmed themselves. It's not because they're yeah. bad people. Yeah. And no, like I, I, just, no, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they just add enough.
0: <laughs> it's and and unfortunately, a lot of our parents that are listening have had negative interactions with teachers, and yeah. it, it's good to remind them that it's not it's nothing personal on them. But there is no. a lot. There's a lot more in the picture than what mm-hmm. we can see. And I and mm-hmm. I've I've passed blame before, um, as well. Um, sometimes it was warranted. Sometimes it wasn't. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I mean, but, there's good. You, but that's behavior, for another conversation. <laughs>
0: So, so talking about, um, about misunderstandings and all with, we've talked about with our ADHD kids, with our kids with, that are lacking, um, executive functioning with down syndrome. I've asked this question of a lot of difference and I wanted to ask you too. Mm -hmm. Are there any common misconceptions about emotionally intense kids and, um, and thinking too, not just, you know, Joey who has no disabilities and no, no learning to spill. Is there anything <clears throat> who also is emotionally intense, but mm-hmm. for our kids who have special needs as well with that, are there any misconceptions that, that you've come across that you'd like to
1: to talk about? <laughs> I would say in general, it's that the kid is misbehaving. It's a kid that is not, and the parents is not doing their job correctly. It's the the thing that we see the most, and that's the parent look at themselves that way often, and they might look at their kids that way often, that the kids is it's a misbehaving. It's not like I would say that's the most common thing we we expect that kid and often it's intelligent kids so we expect those kids to be able to collaborate and they don't and then like we were saying about the grocery store um example like people would judge a parent they will judge the kid for not being like well raised basically um and parents will just be overwhelmed and think that they are doing a bad job and they're failing in their parenting and for that reason it's um, it's not taught about a lot. Like parents won't share that with other parents because the, it's kind of shameful because it looks like you're not able to raise your kids basically. Right. And if the kid has a diagnosis, it makes it a little bit more easy because you can explain. But if the kids doesn't have, might never or just don't have it yet, it really is kind of shameful because you feel it's your fault and people makes you feel like it's your fault. So I would say that's the misconception that we see the most.
0: What I'm thinking, too, that um, even even with um, like our preteen and our teenage girls, I know I've heard like not in school, but in like outside groups, like clubs and stuff, the adults working with it saying, you know, well, she's she's just over overly dramatic. She's trying to get mm-hmm. extra attention. <clears throat> and I think that can be a misunderstanding, too, that... Definitely. You know, this is someone who's, who's either not able to regulate those emotions or like you're saying with your daughter, she's, she's trying to figure out how to do it and she can't do it herself. Mm-hmm. So she yeah. needs that, and that extra.
1: Yeah. And, or the classic, like uh, the, the whiny mm-hmm. kids who always want a bandaid or things like right. that because they're too like sensitive <coughs> kids. This is a classic too. Like most often in girls but it will be seen in any any kids um and if it's a boy it's going to be even worse because it's like that should that boys don't right. cry still is yeah. very hard in our society so uh, kids that whine a lot and is like crying at every little bump but it's hard for them like they're really hurt physically or it might be scary like some kids are just scared, and we tend to say, Oh, it, you just like you, you were scared. That's nothing, but it's not nothing. Being scared is a real thing. So and that, yeah, it is. is much worse than <clears throat> the hurt the that you, like, you hurt your knee, but there's nothing. You were more scared than the actual thing happening to your knee, but the scare you add was real. And it, when you're extremely sensitive, that scare is worse than the physical right. pain. Yeah.
0: So, I was one of those kids <clears throat> excuse me, I was one of those kids that was very shy, so i I was quiet i didn't I didn't talk a lot, especially outside of the house um but I would cry easily, and so mm-hmm. I would aggravate a lot of people <laughs> because yeah. because that's but I was that emotional one, and so I learned yes. that you waited until later to show your emotion when you're yes. away from everyone. Yes.
1: <clears throat> I was that kid too,
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. So I think I mean I think a lot of our parents that are listening can think back to their childhood. You know, emotions are strong. We remember those emotions from when we were mm-hmm. young and it's part of growing up. And I I say this at different times. I picture our children as being these little bodies that are holding adult emotions inside of them. And so they're tightly packaged in there and whenever they have emotions, they just kind of explode because it's too much for that little body to hold. Mm-hmm. Um and so I I never like to belittle an emotion because they are they're very strong we we do feel them and like I said we we remember them for years
1: yes and it's often like we 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 dismiss those emotions we dismiss as not important or like too much because we see like a a child that will do like an entire drama because the plate is not the right color it looks completely (laughs) silly as a parent but it's a real struggle inside that child it this child is really living it and I know like the struggle of getting out the door like we were we were talking about routine sometimes it's like finding the balance between the shoes that, yeah the, the, the <laughs> where the shoes are and like i have like the the the, the socks that are not the wrong like, socks the, the wrong socks <laughs> or like that little seam on the side yes that the, the those right. are the
0: wrong socks is what i'm talking about <laughs> yes
1: and so sometimes it, it can be a struggle but also like Often it's thinking outside the box. Like, for example, one of my child was always late because getting dressed in the morning was a nightmare. Um, we started dressing her in the evening so she would sleep dressed. We, oh, yeah. we saved 25 minutes every morning that way. Right. And it sounds weird. Like, you say to people. That's that smart, we're... though. <laughs> Like lots of people were like, oh, they were looking at me like I was crazy when I was saying that or they look like me was, I was a genius. It, it, it <laughs> depends. <laughs> if they had the same struggle as I had, they were looking at me as a genius. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But most parents were like, your kids sleep like dressed. I'm like, you know what? Leggings she and a t-shirt. She was clean. The
0: clothes were clean. <laughs>
1: and Leggings and a t-shirt or a PJ. What's the difference? Right. Yes, right. <laughs> be like, like, Yeah, it's the same. So it, like finding those solutions also can be very helpful when you have intense kids that can like make you lose lots of time in moments that you don't have the time right before. right and, and knowing also like those those two to four or five years old who wants to do everything by themselves but it takes forever if you know your kids absolutely need to tie their own shoe, even if they cannot, and it will end up in a meltdown, then plan 25 minutes to put on shoes. Don't expect that to right. take two minutes because it's not gonna, you know, that's how yep. planning and knowing what are the triggers will help you. Like right now, my youngest is on her tying my own belt in the car seat, but she's not quite able to, and she will get really frustrated. And sometimes it takes like seven minutes to tie a, the belt in the car. Right. It can be very aggravating if you're late somewhere. <laughs> and and just like explaining that like sometimes like today we don't have the time. Like we will have time later. Might work, might not. But <laughs> right. it can be right. helpful. <laughs> you
0: can do it twice whenever I pick you up. <laughs> so. For example, like you, you do half. You F, still get I your do practice. F. Right. Yes, you do F, I do half. And we, we can
1: do, when, once we're home tonight, you can do it 10 times if you want. Right. right. So you can even take the car seat out of the car and you can do yeah, it Yeah, You can do it at home. You, want. Yeah. So you can just, sit
0: at the dinner table with your car seat.
1: I don't care. <laughs> Buckle it's like thinking yeah. outside the box to find solution that might right. help. It's very helpful in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, this this has been very interesting. If our parents want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to contact you?
1: Um, I would say probably my website. It's uh, familymoments.ca because I'm in Canada. Um, Or I also have a podcast, which is Parenting the Intensity. Um, So it's uh, probably the best way. I have an Instagram account for the podcast also so it's probably the best way to find me um i also have like free resources for self-care um ways to find them like to help find ways to do self-care the way i was talking oh, good. earlier and uh, a course a free course also for like starting to parent your emotionally against intense kids more easily like the first steps um a bit like i was talking like finding those triggers and things like that so if uh, if your listeners uh, want more information, they can get that on my website, both the the podcast and the the main website.
0: Excellent. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll put the links for all of that in the show notes too, so that that they can find that. Um, what other so so tell me just a, l- a little bit what you're doing on the podcast and on the website too, and if there's any special projects that you have going on right now
1: um the podcast is a new podcast it started the early january uh, not july sorry so it's just started um right now i'm doing solo episode talking about lots of things that we touched on today and different things too um i'm planning to get guests um in the fall um probably and Hopefully, I'm going to have you on. (laughs) (laughs) I'd I'd love to come. (laughs) Um, I will also, like right now, I'll do mostly one-on-one support, um, but I'm going to launch a membership um, probably in November uh, to support people in a group setting because I really love... Uh, supporting people in group and I think a big part because that is kind of a shame people don't talk about and don't Mm -hmm. have other parents to relate to but there's lots of other parents out there that live are living through that so I think it's very important that we we realize we're not alone so I want to do that in a group setting and I'm planning a summit, in, um, but not really, not as, I'm not, not quite sure of the format yet, probably a retreat or something online for parents of emotionally intense kids to both do self-care because it's really important and also find ways to like clues in the detective works. <laughs>
0: nice, nice. Well, that, that all sounds really exciting. So we'll, again, if you're listening, what check, check the show notes or the description in the video um, for her links and check out what she's doing um she she does some great posts on Instagram and on her website as well so so you want to plug into all that and be sure to to listen to her podcast too so Anu, thank you for spending some time to, today talking about this i i think it's a great topic for us to bring in and to to bring to light because as you say a lot of parents aren't feeling like they have support out there they're by themselves and mm-hmm. there's a whole there's a whole world of people out there that understand exactly what they're going through yes. <laughs> so thank, thank 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 you for joining me and for sharing this with us
1: Thank you for having me. It was very a pleasure to talk to you and learn to know you better (laughs) also. Thanks. I hope you've learned a little more about the
0: misconceptions and coping strategies in the world of emotionally intense kids. If you want to stay informed about more episodes that help encourage and support special needs parents, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. Plus, for a direct line to exclusive updates and content, sign up for our newsletter at waterprairie.com slash newsletter. Thanks for joining us today, and I'll see you next week.